God, we bless you. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. Have your way. Move in this place in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. Now offer him a praise just so you'll take your seat. passage read in your hearing this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I won't read all that you heard, but if I can, I will pick up the story in a few brief verses, beginning at verse 38. So Saul clothed David with his armor. And he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Beginning at verse 42, and when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you have come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. For the next few moments, I want to continue a theme I been working through and thinking about. I want to talk about before the manifestation. This is part five of this summer series I've been working on before the manifestation. For those of you who are catching up, this relates to the fact that you can receive divine word, prophetic word. You can know something is supposed to happen. And what I'm dealing with is what happens in the meantime between time. How am I supposed to deal with life while I'm waiting for what I desire to come to fruition? How am I supposed to handle the day-to-day -day grind and stuff I'm going through? I know that God may have made a promise to me, but I've seen nothing related to that promise coming to pass. And in David's case, as we pick up this story here today, it's, it's interesting because David not only has not seen this promise, this oil that flowed upon his head, this anointing in his life, make anything happen, but he's only received nothing but negativity since he arrived at this valley. He's received nothing but negativity. Nobody has tried to befriend him. No one has spoke well of him. He's ready to go out and enter this fight, but everybody in his immediate circle has bombarded him and almost made him feel as though he has no business being in the fight at all. They, they, they've, they've heard his heart. They, they've talked about it. it, it everybody had something to say. 
And it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but you ought to see this because I think this is a microcosm of what happens to many of us while we get discouraged and we don't keep going because when we don't see our immediate blessings, we don't see things blossom right away and people are discouraging us and talking about us and making us feel bad about ourselves, we end up internalizing their stupidity and we begin to see ourselves the way others see us. And if you allow yourself to see yourself the way others see you, you will allow yourself to be pressed into the earth and crushed beneath their feet. The way they see you is not the way you can see yourself. You've got to see yourself the way God sees you. You can't afford folk to talk down to you and you allow it to internalize. Let them say what they feel like they must. You can talk about me as much as you please. The more you talk about me, Grandma said I stay on my knees, but I don't have to internalize what you say. I don't have to let it get in my spirit because you thought you could say anything you wanted to say about me. His brothers thought he was a meddler that he was meddling in other folk business. Saul thought he was missing something, and Goliath thought he was only a minor. Come on back, I'm about to preach up in here. His brother said, you're meddling in business that don't belong to you. You need to carry yourself back there to them few little sheep and take care of sheep while we out men out here getting ready to do war. They thought he was a meddler. When Saul saw him, Saul disrespected him right away, didn't think he could fight. He said, this man is a warrior. Who are you to go against a warrior? And David has to give his own accountability of his credibility of why he could be there. But notice now, Saul then says, okay, you can go. And David's about to go, and Saul says, I know you're ready to fight, but you need something else. Put on this armor and go out with this. Y'all missed it. It went over your head. In other words, you may be able to go, but you're still missing something. There's still a little something, something wrong with you. You, you need something from me in order for you to be made whole. If you don't have something of mine on, you won't know. No, if I don't have something of yours on, you won't get credit for the victory. You won't... I'll come back to that. I promise I'll come back to that. You, you have to realize there's something missing. And there are always people who can see what's missing in you while never seeing what's missing in this. I know I'm preaching it here this morning. You be careful for folk that can always point out your flaws, but they have no flaws. They can point out your mistakes, but they make no mistakes. They can point out the stuff that stink in your life, but they can't smell their own stuff and it's stinking up the room. You don't hear. You've got to be careful of folk who only see your flaws and can't see their own foibles and flaws. And Goliath thought he was just a minor. He, you, you look here. You're small and you're just a boy coming out here to do grown folk stuff. You're small and you're a boy. You ain't got no business being up in here with me. You're small and you're a boy. Don't, don't come out here getting in grown folk stuff. This, this man business right here, 
Now y'all ain't got no men back up in there sending this little boy out here to fight me. You have to realize there will always be people who will think that you're not big enough to do what needs to be done. Now, I read the section of him putting on the armor, and I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But I read that for intentionally because, see, there's something about it where folk think that what is missing in you, they'll make it up by telling you how to do what God has anointed you to do. And then they always want to point you to a methodology that they have employed in the past that worked. I told you last week, I'll say it again. If it worked because of the armor, why don't you put it on and go fight? If the armor's what's going to win the fight, you go on and fight then. It's not in the armor. Now, you got to get this now. What works for someone else may not work for you. You can't worry because somebody else does it one way and you do it another. Let me, let me preach for a minute. You've got to realize that LeBron James is about 6'8", almost 6'10". He's a big man. And little Steph Curry is only about 6'2", 6'3". He's a small man. Now, LeBron is always going to be taller than Steph. And Steph can never think he can be LeBron. But Steph has an advantage over LeBron because he's smaller, he's quicker. What, I, what he's got to do is play to his strength, and LeBron play to his... Y'all missed that, see? I don't have to be you, I just have to be the best me. The NBA has been filled with small men who made a big impact. Spud Webb was only 5'7". Nate Robinson was only 5'9". Muggsy Bowles was only 5'3". Isaiah Thomas was only 5'9". You've got to realize being small is not a handicap if you know how to deal with what you got. What will shock you is one of the greatest action figures right now, action-packed movie makers and making more money than anybody is Tom Cruise. When you see Tom Cruise on screen, he looks so big jumping over buildings and riding motorcycles and acting like he lost his mind. He ought, the mission ought to be impossible if you got to do all that. Listen. You see him do it, but if you look at him and you think about it, Tom ain't that big. Tom is only five foot seven and 150 pounds. He ain't no Vin Diesel. He ain't no Jane Dwayne Rock Johnson. No, no, he ain't no Arnold Schwarzenegger, six foot four, 250 pounds, all must know. He is small, but he does it his way and doing it his way, he can still make the same impact as if y'all missed that went over your head. You've got to realize that you can do what you need to get done if you're willing to be you and not try to be somebody else. Mark Twain said it best. I know you might probably thought you made it up. Mark Twain said it best when he said, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. 
Don't allow other people to dictate your value. Don't let anybody else look at you and tell you what you're worth. Don't let anybody else look at you and look down at you for your situation, preach wise. Let me give you, I'm a, I'm a, I won't be long. I promise you I won't be too long. Watch it. You've got to realize something. They're in this situation. They're there. Everybody else is scared. But David is willing to fight. And he comes out there ready to do battle. Stay with me for a moment here. Because David recognizes something that they don't. That God is an ever-present God. Okay, y'all, y'all. I know you're going to miss something if I don't hurry up, so let me try and bring it to you. Come closer to me. I want to give you all a clue so I'm going to mess your head up. You've got to realize that from the time David had the oil put on his head to right now, there is nothing in Scripture that says, and God spoke to him. Come on, I know it's going to mess your head up. There's nothing in Scripture that said, and Samuel came back and gave him a second word from the Lord. There's nothing in Scripture that says he got on his knees and he had a great dream as to what he was supposed to do. Wait a minute. You mean from the time he was anointed to getting ready to go out here and fight? God hadn't said anything. I know y'all, 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 I know just, I just made somebody nervous. Because this is something you got to hear. Because see, you've been wondering, God ain't speaking to me no more. I got spoke, I know God told me this. I ain't heard God's voice in a long, God ain't speaking. Does God have to talk to you every minute? If you need God to talk to you like that, I might have to call my brother back there and get you a room up yonder because you, you, you're going to be scary, dangerous. You don't need a voice in your head all the time. That, come on, come on. I'm, I'm going to take y'all. I'm taking around. Number one, three things. Number one, you've got to trust the presence. Trust the presence. The absence of divine communication means that what he has to do is to depend on his own ability to look at the situation logically with all of his life skills, with all that he has gone through using information, knowledge, and descriptive understanding and make an analytical decision and trust that God will be in the analysis. What do you mean, brother? What do you mean? I mean this. If I am in the will of God and if I'm trusting God, then I've got to trust that God's presence is with me even when I can't hear him. I've got to trust that God's presence is with me even when I can't see him. 
I got to trust that God's presence is with me even when I can't feel it. And I've got to understand that because God is present with me, it means that a part of the decision-making process is not only logic, but it's the love of God. And God is going to help me make the choice that works. Oh, you missed that. See, see, y'all better, better hear me up in here. See, some of y'all are mad because you say God ain't speaking. Well, God may be speaking to you. You may not be listening. You need a God that's going to knock you over before you understand. You need a God that's going to slay you in the aisle before you believe. You need a God that's going to knock you to your knees before you trust him. No, I don't need a God like that. I need a God that will lead me and let me follow. I need a God that will let me trust him in the midst of the valley and know it's going to be all right. I feel something up in here. I need to trust the presence. You see, what I've got to do is this. I've got to be able to do this. Watch what David does. If you read the text closely enough, David takes all available scriptural information into account as he begins to deal with this situation. He doesn't just deal with it based on his own personal logic. No, he says, here is what God has said concerning this issue. The Lord has said that we are the servants of the Lord. The Israelites believed that they were such servants of the Lord that soldiers were servants that they would not even go into battle if they were impure because they believed that the battle was on behalf of God and they went to battle on behalf of God so that God would be with them and they went in as God's soldiers. So when David spoke up, he spoke up as God's soldier and what he was decreeing and declaring is that the blessing promised to the soldiers of God would belong upon his life. Y'all missed that? He's not simply standing there going off something he learned in kindergarten. No, he's going off the word of God that's been entrusted into his spirit and he realizes that the blessing of the Lord belongs on them. Okay. Y'all gonna get this in a minute. Y'all gonna get this in a minute. The second thing you gotta do is trust the process. I'm almost, I'm almost through. I'm almost through. I promise you, I trust the process. Reverend, what do you mean trust the process? Okay. Watch this now. David internally feels like God has called him now to fight this battle. He's called first up to Saul where they have this long discussion. He finishes the discussion with Saul and they talk about everything. And Saul says... You, you can't do nothing. You, you, you're, not, you're not available. You, you're too young. You, you can't do it. And David then uses his own testimony to challenge Saul's decision. And David tells his testimony in the presence of Saul and changes Saul's mind. Watch this. I'm going to mess somebody up. I really believe that God let him tell his testimony not just for Saul, but to remind him. Can, can I do this for a minute? Have you ever shouted off your own testimony? 
Have you ever taken a moment? I just got a segue for a minute. Give me a quick detour. Have you ever taken a moment and look back over your life and think about all the times that God has made a way and just danced over your test? I believe there was a quickening in his spirit. He said, oh yeah, that's right. God did it then, didn't he? God did it that time. God did it again. And if he did it once, love all. Ah, yeah, love all. He can do it again. Hey, go ahead. He, 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 he trusts the process. But, 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 but listen, 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 listen. After he does that, he goes through all that. Then Saul puts his armor on him. Saul says, put this armor on. And he puts the armor on. And he tries to walk and can't walk. Come here, y'all. This, this is important for some of y'all. And somebody sitting right over here. Y'all listen to me right here. Right here, y'all listen to me. <laughs> Bishop gonna bless you right here. In my heart of hearts, I know David knew before he tried the armor on, that he had never wore armor before. David knew it wasn't going to fit. So why did David put it on? Because he needed to trust the process. That's some stuff you got to do. You, you don't need no back talk. There's nothing you ought to say. You ought not to be running your mouth. Don't tell nobody off. Don't tell anybody how smart you are versus who they are. No, just try it on. And then take one step and say, no, this, this really doesn't work. Yeah, I can see it doesn't fit. You can take that back. No, because see, sometimes when you think you got an anointing on your life, you get an arrogance about your little silly self thinking that you ought to tell folks what you think. Sometimes you need to keep your mouth shut and go through the process so that you can show yourself to be humble. Or be humble. Sit down. Or be humble. Sit down. got to trust the process. You've got to trust the process because there are times when you just need to go through it. You need to have a, the known that you're not so arrogant or prideful that you cannot go through what other folk have been through just because you think you know, go through it anyway. Don't be talking about well, I used to teach this class at my other job. You ain't at your other job now. If you were still working there, you wouldn't be here. You may know it your way, you don't know it our way. Come on, listen to me. Your arrogant spirit will get you fired before you get day one done. You need to realize, trust the process. I'm, okay. Okay, I gotta close. 
I got one more thing, and I'm going to close. I'm going to close. I, I promise you I'm going to finish this series before the summer ends. I'm, I'm finishing. But, but let me give you one more thing. I got to give you this last thing. Got to give you one more thing. Okay. David decides I'm going like I am. Puts back on the shepherd's outfit. Has his bag across his arm. Gets his slingshot in his hand. Got his staff on one side. And David goes down to the waterside, and David picks up five smooth stones. Come here, y'all. Goliath has a spear that weighs 15 pounds. I looked it up. I did the symmetric system for you. I, just, I looked it up. His... his his shield is so heavy, he needs somebody to carry it. That's why they call him an armor bearer. He bears the arms of the fighter. Are y'all listening to me? He's huge, and you got stones. Now, you were kids once, sticks and stones, they break my bones. How is it that this joker here has the unmitigated gall? The audacity, if you will. The sagacity. No, the stupidity. <laughs> to think that rocks are going to beat spears and swords. Now, this ain't rock, paper, scissors, and paper covers rock. No, this is real deal. Last point, going to my seat. You all know the ending already of the story, so I'm not leaving you hanging, but I gotta give you one thing. Trust the promise. Trust the presence, trust the process, trust the promise. Now some of y'all looking at me now, you think, you think I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I know what I'm talking about. David has one thing in mind that maybe you missed. And this is the only thing you need to get from this sermon. You don't take nothing else home with you today. Take this one here. David knew what verse 47 says. He, David said, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save, wait a minute, he does not save, he does not save, that's why he ain't got that, with sword and spear. Here's the promise. For the battle is the Lord's. I'm going to my seat. Look at somebody say, neighbor, the battle is the Lord's. I'm not in it by myself. This is the Lord's fight. The Lord is on my side. The battle is the Lord's. Come on, give him a prayer.